Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Eight forty one, gorgeous. Sunsplash Tuesday morning, New York City. About 67, windy and sunny today. Gorgeous all week long. Some rain on the weekend, but not a complete washout like last weekend. Temperatures closer to 70 as the week moves along. Spring is here. Summer is right around the corner. It's a beautiful time of year. Talking about beautiful. Our next guest saw her on Fox News yesterday. Been on the show with us many, many, many times. Dating back to the early days of COVID. Always does an outstanding job. It's our good friend, Dr. Nicole Sapphire. Nicole, Sid, Bernie, how are you? Hello, Good morning, Doc. gentlemen. How are you? It is uh, great to have you back. And uh, how we, ironic we, is it? How ironic is it that as we're about to start this discussion, this is true now, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York, was just on MSNBC. I know that because you've got a bunch of television screens in and around our radio studio. And what was she discussing? This outbreak of COVID, this new strain, these new cases, as if, Nicole, as if hospitals are filling up, people are dying, as if it's a major issue. You tell us. Maybe it is. What's the deal with this new strain? Well, first of all, we have to stop with the, uh, unfortunately, every time people get on the news and they keep talking about all these new variants, um, it gives people a a sense of fear and a sense of panic. And... uh, These variants thus far, all of them thus far that have come out, have essentially been less severe, causing a lower hospitalization and death rate when it comes to how many people are actually being infected. So, yes, while we see cases rising and falling, which we have now been accustomed to with these seasonal variations of these new variants, when you look at just the numbers, yes, you will see a rise in cases. And because of just the sheer number, if more people are infected, you will have more people being hospitalized with it. But that doesn't necessarily mean that these variants are more severe. It just means that it's still circulating. And at this point, we have done what we could do in terms of vaccines and boosters and treatments and natural immunity and accessibility to testing. We have to move forward as a community. The only way to get to that zero cases is to just be in a perpetual state of isolation which we know is not good for us. So it's not helpful when people go on TV and say, oh, cases are rising, and then people start pointing fingers saying, oh, this is because we're loosening mask mandates. Well, that's not true at all. Stop blaming the public for a rise in cases. This is a highly contagious viral pathogen that we don't have a tool to stop. The best we could do is lessen our chance of severe illness, and we've been doing that, which is why hospitalization and death rates when it comes to the amount of people infected, have dropped drastically, even lower than flu in many populations. So, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, if I may uh, be a little cynical here, I'm thinking, uh, well, this is an election year, and they're talking about this fall and winter, early winter, 
<laughs> and of course, November of 2022 is that target date right there. Uh, it's time for mail-in ballots because people can't stand in line to vote. In, you know, as we used to do years ago, vote uh, and have the uh, tally, uh, you know, all tallied up in one night. In other words, it's a political ploy so that they can cheat their way into a, a victory in another election. Those are my opinions. I mean, uh, any any of those, you're, you're an astute observer of the scene. You can widen, uh, uh, you know, broaden your horizons a little bit from medicine. Do you think uh, there's any of that involved, perhaps? Of course you can. Well, sure. I mean, I talked about that in depth in uh, the, my book that came out last year, Panic Attack. I mean, this is a, 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 a textbook political ploy when it comes to campaigns. Vote for me and I'll save your life. Vote for me and I'll save your job. Vote for me. I'll save everything in the world because I'm magical. And we know that that's just not true. So what do we have to see when we get into election cycles? Yes, they want to make you feel vulnerable. And if you don't vote for them, you will perish. And that is the feeling that they want to incite in you. And COVID has, of course, been manipulated as such, making sure people are living in this perpetual state of fear so that they will align with whichever politician promises to vote for them. But I think at this point, Americans are much smarter than that. Listen, what did we hear from then-candidate Biden? He said, I will squash the virus. I will get rid of the virus. Yet he took over as president. He was handed the vaccines. He completely dropped the ball when it came to testing. And in the beginning, they dropped the ball on the treatments. We couldn't get enough out to people. And at the end of the day, they finally admitted, never mind, we can't squash this virus. And maybe we need to change our rhetoric because nothing that's coming out of our administration or the public health officials are actually following the science at this point. So I think Americans are much smarter than that. Will we start Hmm. seeing some of that propaganda on the media making everybody fearful again? Absolutely. It happens every time there's an election. But again, I think um, Americans have really um, smartened up and don't really don't really listen to what the White House and even maybe the CDC in some aspects are saying anymore. I think it depends where you are. I lived for four years on the Upper West Side. They did not smarten up, and they wear three, four masks at a time even now in 70-degree temperatures. Now where I live now, they have smartened up. They were never stupid. They knew from day one this was all nonsense. But I think it depends where you are. For example, I take the ferry home every day, and they still make you wear a mask on the ferry. Now, I go to the second floor, which is outside, but they're still making you wear a mask from Wall Street to the Rockaways on the ferry, which is ridiculous. Now, let's move to a Roe versus Wade. I made the point to Bernard moments ago, Dr. Nicole Sapphire, that uh, at least early on, early on with the pregnancy, both sides can make a valid point, right? Pro-life people, well, that's a living fetus. And people like me who are pro-choice, well, not really. Is that true that at least early on in the pregnancy, both sides can make a decent scientific argument? So listen, when it comes to talking about abortion, this is certainly not as binary as people are wanting to make it. And whether you're talking about early on, because some people argue that, you know, the heartbeat or the heart flutter can start as early as six weeks. Um, They say that that, some people say that's no different than the actual heart beating at 38 weeks gestation. Well, yeah. So at the end of the day, it really boils down to what you define as a living human being. And I think that, you know, there are medical reasons why one can argue to terminate a pregnancy will save the mother 
Um, but it's not something that I could even step into arguing because I can argue both sides of that equation and it's going to upset people on both sides because it's not just about science. It's not just about medicine. It's about religion, emotion, um, and the socioeconomic of the outcome. So, you know, it's a really, it's a really difficult discussion, but I think the bottom line, what is more black and white is that for people who feel very strongly against abortion, whether it's abortion at one week gestation or 40 weeks gestation, certainly taxpayer dollars should not go to funding that because it is morally uh, reprehensible to individuals and their hard earned dollars should not go towards abortions. No, that's a very good point, Dr. Nicole Sapphire here on the Bernie and Sid show. But one thing that uh, I would imagine maybe I think is kind of black and white, which is viability, viability at is it 15 weeks? Is it 23 weeks? Uh, does Dr. Nicole Sapphire, do you know, or is the med- medical science settled on when a fetus it becomes viable? Because that seems to be the argument as, as far as going forward. That's the question asked of Democrat politicians. How far are you willing to go in as far as abortions go up to what week? And so my question well, to you is, uh, when does viability occur? Well, wouldn't that be great if it really was that simple to answer? Uh, viability changes <laughs> by the date. It changes where you're located in the world. Um, you know, we could actually have infants that are born at 22, 23, 24 weeks. They can spend months in an incubator, months in the NICU, and they can survive. Certainly that they will have some health challenges, but they can survive. But what about the child with a severe heart congenital anomaly who I mean, they they won't have they don't have a chance at 38 weeks let alone 22 weeks it's not as black and white but i do agree oh, okay. that there is a certain point where if you have a seemingly otherwise healthy uh, fetus at 30 weeks 32 weeks 34 weeks there's no known congenital malformations in them you know it's hard for me to wrap my head around terminating that pregnancy when if you could just birth that child it could live a healthy life it just needs parents that will love it you know so that's murder. It, it is very yeah. hard to wrap my head around now me too listen i'm pro-choice i am pro-choice i'm on record saying it a million times when you get to 32 weeks that's murder dr nicole sapphire on here with uh bernie and sid so uh i was watching you yesterday on fox news talking about this couple in the bahamas these uh travel agents who went to, it's a lovely place. I've been to Sandals. This is not some, you know, rickety place on, on Freeport. It's, you know, it's a, it's one of the banter sections of the Bahamas, which I still go to. I like it there. And they both end up dead, something with refrigeration. What kind of crazy story is this? You know, we, we first of all, we don't know what's going on. We have three people dead. One is being treated in Florida and is said to be paralyzed at this time. Two are from one family. Two are from another family. They weren't traveling together. They were staying in separate villas. So what is the common denominator there? How did what caused them to have such severe injury and death? So there are a lot of theories right now. One, uh, someone posted on social media, it's possibly the coolant from the AC unit. Well, okay, did they share an AC unit? Were their villas connecting? Because it would be a very, very, very rare occurrence to randomly have two separate AC units, both with a coolant leak. Um, However, freon leaks can absolutely cause a sudden death syndrome. So that is a viable possibility. You also start thinking of food poisoning. But then, again, you would think that there would be a lot more people sick and wouldn't necessarily see such severe outcomes. Uh, did they have unintentional drug overdoses where it came from a single source? 
Who knows? Was there pesticides? Who knows? We need those autopsies. The bottom line is we have to get to the bottom of this because three people dead on the exact same day, that is something severe. And, um, you know, we don't want anybody else near that until you 100% know what caused um, those deaths. Absolutely right. A lot of questions uh, rather than answers at this point. Again, Dr. Nicole Sapphire on the Bernie and Sid Show. Doc, I will take it back to uh, the uh, COVID situation because you did tweet this out, and this is important. A long-term school closures was a massive failure perpetuated by the teachers' unions and the CDC with no clinically significant benefit to show for it. So are any of these people going to be held accountable? And tell us about how damaging these school closures were because going forward we have to learn from this. Listen, let's let's rewind over two years ago now when we had a new virus. We knew nothing about it. We just knew hospitals were overflowing. People were dying. We didn't know how to test it. We certainly didn't know how to treat it. Um, To take kids out of school for a couple of weeks while we kind of got our bearings straight, that made sense. That made sense for about a two-week period. Um, Unfortunately, you had the teachers union truly lobbying to keep schools closed. I mean, let's be honest. People really liked working from home. It's a much easier job, especially the public schools. They didn't have a lot of live instruction. It's easier. You had teachers who were protesting with signs saying, do you want me to die for your child? Like, okay, calm break. down. Yeah. While the rest of us, you know, first responders and stuff still go into work every single day. Okay. So right. I, that was, that was frustrating. Um, but over time, in August 2020, you started seeing um, Fair Health reported that there was an increase in emergency room visits among adolescents for men- mental illness. That was public. But yet you still had the CDC, the American Academy of Pediatrics. Everyone remained silent to the powerhouse lobby teachers union. And many blue states specifically kept schools closed. They kept intermittently closing schools into 2022. Are you kidding me? The CDC said about 70% of kids had some form of natural immunity by that time. Teachers were given priority for the vaccines. At that point, why were we still closing schools? We had not one good study demonstrating closing schools had any benefit to community transmission and certainly didn't save a substantial amount of lives or hospitalizations that anyone could even publish on it. People just didn't want the kids in school, despite the fact that they were the lowest risk, the lowest risk to transmit, the lowest risk for severe outcomes. And now we have this new study out of Harvard that showed all that did the kids in the lower, the lower socioeconomic areas, they have a much wider education gap now. So when we keep talking about, oh, bridging the gap of equity and equality, well, all these school closures did, which was perpetuated by the teachers union, the CDC, and a lot of blue, blue policymakers, all they did was widen that gap even further. No doubt. And again, they're still talking about it today. Again, on television just moments ago, the governor, uh, both MSNBC and, and CNN, this morning talking about this new variant and all the dangers that it poses. When you just heard Dr. Nicole Sapphire right here tell you hogwash. Oh, I love that word. It's a Joe Biden word. Hey, uh, Nicole, it's great to have you back. It's been way too long, so please keep coming back and enjoy the uh, the warm weather. You got those uh, young boys out there probably going, you going to Yankee games? Any, any big baseball games coming up? Basketball games? What do you got? We were at the Yankees for opening there weekend. 
my kids play basketball and baseball, so I've been to plenty of games, but Good. not necessarily the the ones that I maybe would want to be going to. Right, right. Well, the Nets are done anyway. They got swept by the Celtics. But you were great again today, Dr. Nicole. Please keep coming back. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. All right. There she is, a two-time author, Fox News senior correspondent, big-time doctor at Sloan Kettering. That's our uh, good buddy, Nicole Sapphire. We will take a short break. It's been three great hours. Still lots more to do, including your chance at cash prizes on Beat Bernie coming up at 940. Brought to you by Pete Morgan. The fourth and final hour of the Tuesday edition of Bernie and Sid about to come your way. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GoboLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. 